The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Interesting people, relatable stories, relevant, topical. This is 630 Chad Afternoons with Jaylen Nye. Hey, Chadville. Hope you're doing fine on this kind of dreary, moody Monday afternoon. Not a bad weekend. Saturday, absolutely spectacular. Everything kind of changed around on Sunday, but it was good. Stay at home, watch some uh, football. Well, it was good weather for the football game on uh, Saturday night. Not a great turnout. Uh, well, and by turnout, I mean result uh, for the Eskimos. Uh, we'll be hearing and talking more about that throughout the afternoon with our sports guy, Brendan Escott. Uh, yesterday, uh, NFL season kind of got underway on full swing, so a lot of folks talking about that and others putting bets on tonight's game. Uh, lots of stuff to get to this afternoon on this show. Do want to let you know, I'm going to tell you about a way that you can win your way in to see John Fogarty. Yes, that John Fogarty. He's coming back to town October 15th for his uh, My 50-Year Trip tour at Rogers Place. It's an on online contest so those details coming up a little bit later on on the show today uh, kind of all over the place to be honest with you we are going to be talking to an amazing man he is um he is a uh, I don't even know how to describe him. He is a fellow who was uh, an amazing parachutist and then um, in an accident, in a freak accident, became um, paralyzed. But that hasn't stopped him. You're going to hear his story coming up. We'll take a look at uh, that audit of uh, ETS that was done recently, some of the concerns raised there. We'll talk with Eddie Robar from uh, the uh, ETS, the branch manager, about what can be done there to help that situation. We'll talk wild horses. Fascinated by this story, but we're going to uh, start things off this afternoon with this. Alberta's child advocate wants young offender centers in the province to cut back on the use of pepper spray and segregation in their approach to discipline. Del Graff says Alberta is one of only four provinces that allows the use of pepper spray in the centres. He also says the province needs legislation similar to laws in other provinces that limit the segregation of young inmates. Let me know what you think about this while you hear it at 6.30, Young offender centres in Edmonton and Calgary house an average of 90 young people a day. Del Graff joins us now. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I want to start just with, uh, you know, the, a pretty basic question right off the top. What was it um, that um, that uh, made you want to look at this issue of uh, pepper spraying and segregation uh, room use in in our youth facilities? Well, in 2016, there was a change in policy that uh, enabled the young offender centers in Alberta to use uh, OC spray or what we what's actually called oleo resin capsicum spray. Mm. Some people call it pepper spray, but for them to use it more readily than before. Prior to 2016, if uh, they were going to use it in a young offender center, they needed to call a tactical team, and that tactical team would come in. And so it was only used in extreme circumstances. And once they were able to use it themselves, we've seen the use go up, and it's increased over the past number of years. And so that led us to, to doing a special report. We had uh, talked with ministers and deputies, uh, deputy ministers and other bureaucrats to try to make it so that there would be some 
you know, review of the policy, some change back to where it was was used last, and, and we just weren't finding any kind of results. Um, it, with some of the numbers, that uh, pepper spray has been used 60 times and 114 young people in custody since youth correctional officers started carrying pepper spray in 2016. That's according to the report. Why the increase? Is it just simply because it is uh, readily available? I'm not sure. It's certainly that the readily available part was what changed, and then we started to see an increase in its use. Um, most Canadian provinces don't use pep- mm-hmm. pepper spray at all. In fact, uh, Manitoba, Ontario, and Nova Scotia are the only ones other than Alberta who use, who use pepper spray with young, with young offenders. Yeah, and I, th- and I thought that was interesting. Has there been a push um, for a ban of it here? Well, certainly there's been a push for a ban of it in both Canada and and the United States. In the U.S., um, 35 of the 50 states ban uh, pepper spray use with young people altogether. Um, Mr. Graff, you talk uh, in your report um, uh, that your your belief that pepper spray can harm chances of rehabilitation of uh, of these youngsters. Can you expand on that for me? Certainly. Lots of these young people, when they come into young offender centers, they come with a history of trauma, of exposure to to some, you know, very difficult life circumstances. And if we use pepper spray to deal with their behavior, what we're teaching them is that, you know, the person who has the most force wins. Mm. That, in addition to the impact on their mental health and their emotional well-being, are pretty significant consequences. And in our view, they're not necessary. There are other young offender centers across our country who are managing young people's behavior in these centers without the use of, of things like like OC spray. Let's talk about that a little bit because my first question when I was reading uh, the, the reading the report and reading the news coverage on it was what other options are there? What other options are there to deal with uh, an issue in one of these facilities? Um, you know, you had touched on the fact that uh, there, there's other de-escalation techniques. I don't know what they are. Maybe you can expand on on that for us well certainly in those in those places where we uh where there is no uh, OC spray being used, the de-escalation techniques are, are often about communication, yeah. often about talking with young people, about finding out what the what the challenges that they're facing are in the moment, uh, doing something in the moment that prevents them from from escalating further, and and trying to engage with the young person as opposed to using a, a, a forceful kind of response like OC spray. So uh, moving away from the forceful response and. and I I guess does you know are 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 the members that are are the staff that are working these facilities are they trained in those techniques? Well, some have training, and and I'm I'm sure that some that some don't. I I I couldn't comment on that. Mm. They they would need to to tell you about that. But what we do know is that there are young you know there are. People who work in these centers who, you know, never use OC spray, they don't need to. Uh-huh. Um, they, they do have those relationships with the young people in their charge, and, and they do de-escalate. So it's not kind of all of one or another. Uh, what we're concerned about is the in- increased reliance on OC spray that's taken place over time. And there were some concerns raised as well about the de- de- decontamination process when, uh, it, is, when it is used. Um, uh, just saying that it's not being, people aren't being de- de- decontaminated quickly enough is that is that the case sir 
Well, some young people have talked with us about that specifically, right, and in terms of their concern. what You know, we, we spoke to about 100 people, 25 young people who came forward who talked to us about their experience, and one of the things that they described was variation about when, when they were deca- decontaminated after they were sprayed. But we also heard concerns from community stakeholders about the whole process. Uh, we also heard from, from, the, from the justice staff themselves mm-hmm. that, that they uh, saw the use of OC spray as a, as a tool that could enable them to kind of, um, you know, reduce escalating conflict very quickly. And so there's a range of, uh, of perspectives on this. Yeah. What I'm most concerned about is that Alberta is on a, traje- a trajectory to increase its use of OC spray mm-hmm. with young people when the rest of our country and, and, and certainly in the U.S., they're moving in the other direction. And there's good reason for the movement in other directions. But you're not calling for it to be banned at this point. No, and one of the reasons for that is that we know that um, there are more lethal re- ways to to control behavior, and and so we don't want to s- suggest that there is no appropriate use of, of OC spray. But when it was confined to the use of a tactical team for uh, mm-hmm. for uh, you know extreme circumstances that couldn't be managed without it, uh, then it then it does make some sense to any of us. It's common sense that that would be uh, a reasonable use. That happened once in four years before the policy change. Um, Mr. Graff, has there been any studies um, into, you talk about, uh, you know, the relationship with or the, with the kids and about the impacts on the kids uh, that are in, uh, or the young offenders that are, that are in these facilities that uh, may have been uh, pepper sprayed or been put into solitary confinement. Has there been any long-term studies on, um, you know, comparing those who have gone through something like that to those who have gone through um, the system without having to deal or without having been pepper sprayed or without having gone through solitary confinement and how they come out on the other end? Unfortunately, most of the research that's been done on these issues has pertained to adults, mm. and and so there there is a, a lack of, of you know good quality research with respect to to these matters regarding y- young people. Um, but we do know that young people are developmentally different than adults; that that their interest and their needs regarding rehabilitation and reintegration into communities mm. is different than adults, and that these measures, in fact can impede the, the, the progress in those areas. Mr. Graff, you also uh, waved the flag uh, in this report about uh, segregation and segregation rooms, uh, concerns there about mental health issues uh, as well. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about segregation rooms, I think, at all levels over the past number of years. And again, um, just saying, you know, that um, is, are, are, they, are they being used improperly, would you say? One of the things that we're most concerned about regarding segregation in young offender centers is the amount of time and the conditions of segregation and the lack of support for young people when they are in segregation. So we've uh, made a recommendation to address those issues uh, so that the way that young people experience segregation is different in the future than it is now. We don't think that, you know, sometimes young people do need to be separated from Mm -hmm. their peers for a period of time. But once that becomes punitive, punitive uh, versus kind of moving along and and de-escalating themselves, uh, then it's very concerning. So how would you like to see that changed in in your recommendations? What what, what would it look like, you know, a year or two from now than, than it does this afternoon? 
Well, a, a year or two from now, we'd like to see there being a very clear uh, limit placed on the amount of segregation time that a young person can be uh, held separately from from their, their peers for. Today, they can be held separately for a substantive period mm-hmm. of time. We'd like to see that the conditions by which they are segregated be more than just a concrete floor with a with a, a bed with no mattress on it. Yeah. We like to see that when they are in that separate time that they do have some ways to to um, kind of be stimulated either through some some reading materials or, or art materials or things that can keep their attention and enable them to do their schoolwork, etc. So the, the circumstances around which they're segregated uh, we'd like to see change. So those are the things that yeah. I'd like to see a government act on. You know, there's always going to be um, some folks out there who are going to say, don't care if they got themselves into trouble. They deserve what they get when they're in that facility. And um, they don't really care two shakes about uh, the kids in these facilities. What do you say to those people? Well, I, I say that the majority of these young people um, are awaiting uh, awaiting trial. They've, you know, lots of them have not been convicted of an offense. There are 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old young people. Um, they have often lived in a tra- traumatic and very difficult lives. For us to use punishment techniques like segregation and, and OC spray is not an appropriate response for us to be able to help them to rehabilitate and reintegrate back into our communities. This is the only place that, that OC spray is, is used in their lives. They, they will live in communities and go to school and deal with family or foster families or group homes, etc. and they don't get sprayed with pepper spray. Huh. Mr. Graff, before I let you go, um, we touched on this uh, a little bit earlier. You have brought up these concerns before. There has been no change. Uh, You are making these recommendations once again. Um, How optimistic are you that there will be change now? I think it really depends on how much public accountability there is. We make a fourth recommendation that speaks to to the the young offender center uh, the young offender branch being accountable to the public for its use of OC spray and segregation with young offenders who are in their centers. Mm. And and if there is a measure of accountability that is public in nature, then we are quite optimistic that the behavior will change within the centers. So the paperwork has to be done, reports have to be filed, we'll be able to see when, how, why the pepper spray is being used in the future. That's what you're hopeful? That's what I'm hopeful what I'm hopeful of. And and if there is that public accountability, mm. I am confident that there will be more more consideration for when to use it and how to use it and how it's going to be uh, uh, used appropriately. And Mr. Delgraff joining us this afternoon. Thank you for your time. I appreciate this conversation. Thank you. Del Graff, Alberta's chief, uh, Alberta's child advocate, uh, you just heard from when we come back. We'll talk to the union that represents the employees and guards at Alberta's two youth detention centres. This is 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye, right here on 6.30 Chad. We just heard from Alberta's child advocate, Del Graff, right now. Uh, The Alberta Union of uh, Public Employees is the union that represents the workers in Alberta's two young offender facilities. AUPEVP James Hart joins me now. Hi, James. Hey, Jalen. How are you today? Good. Welcome to the show. What did you think? You've you've probably read it. You've heard it. Um, You know, um, Del Graff saying that he believes pepper spray being used too often. Is it? 
Well, uh, Jerry, what I'd say is, you know, the pepper spray is, is used as one of the instruments within the use of for, force continuum that the correctional peace officers have to follow. It's a standard that provides the guidelines for them to use different tools to deal with situations within their work site. Um, Del Graf suggesting that um, it's um, since it became more readily available for uh, the guards to be using, it is being used more often. There's other provinces that don't allow this whatsoever, suggesting that uh, that he thinks that there might be some better ways of uh, de-escalating situations. And um, I'm I'm wondering if you know when we talk about you know just having a conversation, maybe you know talking people down that sort of stuff um if if that's being used i mean where where in the where in the escalation line does pepper spray get used james so so of course you know within the uh, force continuum there's the officer's presence and there's con- there's um you know there's the ability to have conversations as you stated before about mm-hmm. trying to dis 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 escalate the situation <laughs> in front of them. Sorry about that. That's okay. But, uh, and, and then there's, you know, and then there's other ways of uh, dealing with it. The, the continuum allows the officer to maybe use, if deemed to pos- uh, reasonable there, to use hands-on um, techniques. Okay. And then there's pepper spray. And then there's other ways, and it goes up, you know, obviously the correctional officers don't have uh, the use of firearms, so there's no deadly force part of that. But with regards to being used and recorded that time, what happened is, you know, when, when you say that it, it's come into effect around 2016, with, with every time that the officers use that deployment of that technique, there's reporting that goes in. So now I would say that we have more um, reports on it, mm-hmm. we have more statistics that way. And obviously, when you have those, then you're able to glean more. And I would say that at, prior to that, there, you know, if, if they were called in, as he said, you know, where he said that the tactical teams or the response teams would have to use it. But now that's, you know, the officers are trained and with that, following the force continuum that they would have to, they could deploy it again, depending on the situation. And that's the the toughest part I always have is like when the statistics are out, we're not quite sure of what the officer and the offender inside the center, it, what, what's happening at that time. Um, uh, Mr. Graf saying that he would like to see more accountability, more, pa- like pretty much more paperwork. He wants to see things, um, you know, recorded a whole lot more. And he believes that that would maybe, um, you know, shed a, a, a greater light on, on, on how often that the pepper spray is being used yeah. in these facilities. Would you agree with him on that? Well, I, you know, with the paperwork, I would say that we're already there. You're already doing every it? Time, every time a correctional peace officer or any law enforcement uh, member has to use their, their tools, you know, within the continuum, there's always paperwork and reports filed. And then I know in the correctional services, they're always reviewed by the management as well, right, mm-hmm. to make sure that they, the officers are following those guidelines yeah. and, we're, and, and our members are... They're safe. And I, I have to say this, too, and that, you know, the, the tools that the members have and the training they have is done so that both the, the offender inside any correctional center in Alberta is safe. We, I mean, we have that uh, responsibility of the care, control, and custody of the individuals inside our centers. And then also when I say that, also the staff have to be, you know, mm-hmm. safe within the yes, centers. Absolutely. So that reporting stuff that we have, I believe it's there. It's reviewed by the upper management. It's reviewed by, obviously, if there's things that need to be done, 
with regards to training that there's reviews through the uh, training academy that all peace officers for the Alberta government go through. So, James, I'm pretty much out of time here, unfortunately, just because of uh, uh, heading into the news here. Just sure. curious, is there one thing, is there something that would make it better for uh, members and um, those there for allegedly breaking the law? Would there be something better? Is there something that the security teams could, could have that would make their world better inside those facilities? Uh, I, I could be quite uh, smug about this and say as long as the you know the offenders inside were you know cooperative <laughs> yes. but i would say that the training that our members have meet the requirements and that can deal with situations that are in hand at any given time, making sure that both the offenders and the officers and staff are safe in the building. Yeah, it's a tough situation all the way around, James. Absolutely it is. Uh, I want to thank you for the the brief chat, which we wish we had more more time to chat. Let's do it again sometime, okay? Sure, we'll see you around. Thanks. All right, thanks, James Hart, joining me this afternoon from, uh, he is the Vice President of AUPE.